Westworld Theorycast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Go to Cufflinks.com right now and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order, no minimum. Cufflinks.com is the men's accessory marketplace. We all know that Cufflinks.com has Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Star Trek, Mandalorian, Disney, every amazing geeky thing. They have products that match your desires, as well as having the classic wearable art brands like Ox and Bull, Hook and Albert, and of course, Cufflinks' own brand, Cufflinks, baby. We all know that there's a coronavirus going around, and we want everyone to be safe and happy, and a lot of things have been canceled, okay? And a lot of sales that Cufflinks had have been canceled too, NCAA, things like that, but They have now put over 700 items on their sale page to get a great discount while people are planning that next outing with their friends. When this all clears up and you go out, you're still going to have to look good. So head over to cufflinks.com today. We wish you and your family well. Have a great day. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Westworld Theorycast. My name is Axel, of course, and my co-host today is the wonderful Ken. How you doing, Ken? I am wonderful um, and raring to talk about this episode, but it's it's always great to be with you to talk about stuff that we love and especially this time talking about Westworld. Yes, definitely. We both uh, want to send love out there to everyone listening. We hope you're safe. And uh, keeping your social distancing, your quarantine, and we're going to get through this together and have a a brave new world afterwards. Um, Yes. And it's great to have things like this, things like Westworld, to like listen listen to us talk about it or talk to your friends about it. Or maybe Axel and I will spark, you know, an idea or a riff in your head about something that you can think about and enjoy and share with others. So, you know, it's... This is how this is part of the way that we get through this, right? It's focusing on things like this that are not only entertaining, but like thought provoking. Definitely. Yeah. It keeps the mind going. And I have to say that doing these podcasts and talking to people, going to Facebook, to Twitter, whatever, blogs, find it, you know, it does keep your mind moving. And uh, I mean, that's what that's what humanity does. And especially a show like this. That is about human consciousness and and what you know what makes us us. Yeah. What more of a time to kind of elevate your thinking than now and kind of see ways to get through things like this and see the good that's happening, right? And yeah. and part of that good is is being able to share this with friends. And by the way, we do this three times a week. You can check us out. Ken and I do it on Monday, Wednesday, Jenny and Brett and I, and Friday, Gina, Tim and Andy. We've been rocking it out and we appreciate all the downloads. There's also, I wanted to give a quick shout out um, on this podcast, as well as Better Call Saul. Uh, what did we do? Watchmen. My old friend Tito did the music and it was Tito's birthday yesterday. So I want to give a happy birthday to Tito. And I want to remind everyone to check the show notes because I always put the links to Tito's music. He goes by the moniker of Chorizo Slim 
and uh, he is just jamming it out. I know him back from my world of video days, so it's always awesome to bring uh, people into the podcast. So you can check that out. You can also check us out at dvrpodcast.com. See those other podcasts I'm talking about, like Better Call Saul with the Shea. You can also check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash DVR. And actually, I just dropped an old podcast, an old Lost podcast with Matt and Heath and wow. Mr. Bill and Hurricane Len, all these crazy old Lost heads. That was from, what, 2010 or something. So if you check out the Patreon, you get that stuff. But today, we will be talking about Westworld Season 3, Episode 4, Mother of Exiles. And this was, I think, uniformly, everybody loved this episode. I have not seen, I don't think I've seen, you know, there was some people that had some problems with the first couple episodes for this reason or that. But I think everyone uniformly agrees. And I think you'll agree, Ken. I mean, the action, the mystery, the reveals, the acting, this was an amazing episode. It was my favorite episode of the season. Um, it may be in my top 10 episodes of the entire series. Um, more than likely. Um, you know, I was I I was saying to the person I was watching the episode with last night that uh, Westworld is always a well directed show, and you know it's like a director's wet dream. I would think to direct an episode of Westworld because um, there's so much to visually going on and emotionally going on, and directors love this kind of material. And last night's episode was particularly well-directed. There's a sequence at the end, which we'll get to in a little while, but the timing and the way that they yeah. kind of paced out the sequence so that certain things all happened at the same time, um, that's just great directing. Um, and a lot of the action-y stuff was just brilliantly directed last night. So hats off to, uh, unfor unfortunately, the director's name is not right in front of me. Um, it was directed by Paul Cameron. Um, so kudos to Paul Cameron. He did a great job. Yeah, you're right. And you know what? They have real, for a show that last season was really like one long episode. You know, it was so thematic with the Bernard and the time and what was happening and the result yeah. of the of the revolt and everything. Now to become a show that is able to keep this tight serialization, but also these tight episodes, you know, where we're really getting kind of like a whole um I don't know what you say, like we're taking a whole journey within an episode and it really feels like an episode of television. And that has always been a thing. People have been kind of going back and forth since TV, the golden age of TV, you know, episodic first serialization. And they're finding a way to kind of go right down the middle where this yeah. does stand as just like, if one person just kind of walked into this and you gave them a little bit of an explanation, like, okay, she's a robot. She's trying to get this guy. You could watch this episode and go along with the whole ball and everything. Out, you know, it's, yeah. it was just fun. The other thing is, and hats off to HBO, 
Game of Thrones may have had a little to do with this, but I really am enjoying the extra 10 minutes that we're getting every episode. Like it used to be back in the day that episodes, dramatic episodes on HBO were like 45 to 50 minutes long. And even the first few seasons of Game of Thrones, episodes generally ran 45 to 50 minutes long. Um, last night's episode was an hour oh two. Um, and every episode has been an hour, a solid hour. So we've been getting 10 extra minutes every week. And I have to say, I'm enjoying those 10 extra minutes. Yeah, me too. And it doesn't seem longer either. It, se- it no. just seems like a good amount. It's not like you could go into it and say, oh, they could have taken out this scene or that scene, you know? Everything has a relevance that keeps it going throughout. Um, all right, let's kind of jump in. We'll go okay. but chronologically. We start out with a pretty extended cold open with William in his mansion. Basically, just we're kind of picking up, you know, I guess what we can assume is, you know, Dolores shot him up. He was found by the by the um, the O or whatever they were called that crew that came in and we last saw him lying you know they said we have a high value uh person and we saw him kind of lying on a on a stretcher yeah and now we see he's back home He's sheltering in place. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that's, I'm sure that's how most people's houses look after sheltering in place because of the coronavirus. Yeah, I know, right? It's got, he's got bullet holes in all the mirrors, you know? Um, yes. Everything around, it was just, yeah, it was a mess. And it was, but it was the way they shot this where it's, it's going in and out of his hallucinations. Yeah. You can even see that, like, I think even in his hallucination, the house was in more disrepair than it was when we see Hale and she arrives. And I thought that was a really interesting touch. But man, they did a really great job of reminding us, too, we haven't seen him for a while, um, of he killed his daughter. He's feeling the guilt from that. He feels responsible for the death of his wife. Yeah. Um, Everything that happens here with him and Hale just just kind of solidifies the story we've seen with him so far. And I felt that after that crazy end uh, piece or, you know, the stinger that we saw with him, with his with his daughter, I was like, I you know, when we see him again, what's it going to be? But I was happy that they're grounding him in this present story. Yeah. Because you're seeing, finally seeing his choices catch up with him. Um, even though he was quick to point out um, early on in the episode to his quote unquote daughter that killing her was a choice. Like he, he made a choice. Um, he's making a choice right now to sort of, you know, live in that place and yep. be tortured. Um, so even though he's kind of wallowing it, in it right now, he's quick to point out that he's choosing to wallow in it right now uh, because he still wants to at least think that he's maintaining some sort of authority over his own life. Yeah. And that, that, that question of choice and that question of whether or not he is a host or a human 
but yeah. really it's deeper than that right and it and it ties into the Caleb and Dolores conversation from last episode because what he's really questioning is it's not just am I a host it's did going to Westworld make me into this animal that I was to my fam, right? Like the chicken yeah. or the egg, you know, nature versus nurture. Right. Um, it, it brings up so many other questions that we can relate to that mean more than just, is this character a robot? Yes. And that's what I like about this. Cause I was a little bit, you know, I kind of got a little, you know, saw a little trailer. I knew William was going to be in this. So I was like, okay, are we going to get like, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that they made the character choice yeah. and I thought it was really effective and my God, of course, what an actor. I mean, you immediately believe all this pain, you believe all this confusion and hallucination um, because they've got, you know, I mean, amazing actor here doing it yeah. for us. And when Hale arrives and kind of dumps the info after we get the credits and all, we come back. And we get the information dump about Sorak taking over and they start getting into kind of, you know, you, I'm bringing you to a board meeting. I was real, like I said, I was just really happy. I was like, oh, this is cool. Okay. Cause we're kind of getting back to that first scene we saw yeah. with Hale in the boardroom and that robot vote, which I'm still, I watched it again and I was still not sure when that took place. I don't yeah. know if that took place after this happened or if that took place before because the decision had actually already been made. Um, but either way, I thought it was really cool the way they're keeping him in this story. And I think it's interesting the way Dolores doesn't want to kill him. She's kind of like she's keeping him around. Yeah, and and she kind of has made that clear. I feel like she made that to some degree. She made that clear at the end of the first season. She definitely made it clear at different points in the second season that um, killing him would not bring her any satisfaction. She really wants to like twist the knife, and she really wants to like <laughs> yeah. take him down bit by bit. And the stinger at the end of the William storyline of last night's episode was maybe one of the most provocative things that happened last night. Cause then it, it made me question even some of the things that I had seen earlier in the episode last night. So, um, and, and, and it all relates to Dolores and what her plans may or may not be for William. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. And that's kind of a bit what I was alluding to too, is yeah. he fits into her game uh, more so than just, torturing him he serves another purpose or maybe already has served a purpose that we don't know about you know um and has become a pawn in her game uh whereas she was for so long a pawn in his game but was she really you know and that's the question here is how much control that we spent a lot i mean let's not forget we spent an entire season with him yeah and you know, and his journey and what that was really about. So it's not, I don't think it's not just all about, oh, William is the man in black. It's about the importance of this character and how he 
just like Ford and Arnold, Dolores, everything, his story is intricately intertwined with that of Westworld and this data and this whole evolution and rev- and revolution that we're seeing. Um, so yeah. I'm glad to see that, that he's kind of back in the show. Yes. Um, um, okay. so, the, so the thing at the end of his storyline – do you think he got pricked or do you th- do you think he got injected or do you think he got sampled? <laughs> That's the question, right? She def I mean, she held him close and it was a very obvious prick of blood um that she took from him and See, I'm wondering you know. if she injected, and maybe that's part of the cause of these hallucinations he's been having. That's interesting. So because they obviously part of the plan was to get him committed so that she that quote, quote unquote Charlotte would have control over his shares because that's in the bylaws that whoever's president would would vote for him if he was deemed incompetent. So I'm if if and, and this is a big if because I don't know if he was pricked and injected with something, some sort of hallucinogen. And that's part of the way that they're making him seem so unstable to get him committed. Is that part of the plan? Uh, that's interesting because I don't know if they would even need to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like he's right. he's in that state, right? Um, but we, but there's also we see in this episode so much of the plan with. Caleb is taking this guy's blood and it has a blood tracer in it. Yeah. So they're mixing all of these things, the glasses that show a virtual reality Mave in a virtual simulation, right? Like they're kind of doing a thing where they're showing like two sides of that same coin and mixing it and, and making you kind of question which one is more valid or more real. Yeah. So, when it comes to that, I'm I'm trying to think of, did she put something in him or did she take something out of him? Because right. if she took his blood or she's trying to sequence his DNA, copy his body, yeah, you'd think that, you know, she might already have that data. She has, you know, from yeah. the forge. So did she need it? Cause they collected DNA. They collected all that stuff. That's part of the data. Right. But maybe now she doesn't have access to it. So she wanted it. And then you're right. It, with, with the sequencing of it, ha- of, of what happens, it does seem very, um, plausible that she pricked him, created him, put him in a new body. He's in a new body in this mental institution. She already switched him out or look what we found at the end of this episode, which is everybody's Dolores. Right. What's to say there aren't multiple copies of William now. Right. Because maybe, I mean, because absolutely right. This, this is very likely not the one and only time she's pricked him. Yeah. Um, So, so who knows? Maybe this is like the one hundredth prick. Um, so she could have a ton of his blood. And, and you're right. A, How long was he in that house? How many times right. did she visit? Yeah, right. there's a lot we don't know. You're right. Yeah, yeah. That's so, a great point. Yeah. So and 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 there is a little bit of like 
uh, um, smudging about time. Like we know we were told at the beginning about a three month gap. And now it seems like maybe a little bit more time has passed, but there's still huge holes in the narrative that where things have happened that we don't know. Like we got to see from Ciroc and Maeve, like that initial hideout that the, that the hosts went to at the end of season two is now abandoned. So, so that was another indicator that time has passed and that Dolores and her crew have actually moved on to a whole other, you know, quote unquote headquarters because they're not using the place that they went to after initially leaving um, the theme park. Does a host need a house? That's a question, you know, do they need, does like a robot need a lair or maybe to have supplies? (laughs) 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 You know what I mean? They're kind of like, yeah, you know, like you think about it, like where does the, where does, does she doesn't need to sleep? You know, um, well, I, I was thinking a little bit about that along those lines with Stubbs drinking the beer. Yeah. I was thinking, <laughs> does a host really need to drink a specific beverage like beer or a specific yeah. brand? Like, is that just in his programming that he drinks beer and likes beer and wants some people to go buy him beer? Because um, really, he could have just drank water or not drank at all because he's not real. He's a robot. <laughs> I love this stuff. Yeah, jumping into this stuff that that we have a divergence in Victorville, USA. Yeah. And Bernard and Stubbs are at this cheap motel. And we have this really amazing scene, which blew my mind because I, you know, and I'm sure yours too, because I want them to go to outer space at some point where we see like these kind of Tesla type. Take off and these rockets, like two take off and then one lands and, and people have chairs and they're kind of watching, but I couldn't tell if they were just by the pool and it was just a normal thing that was happening. Um, I didn't know what is special about Victorville. Why are they there for a reason? Why? You know what I mean? Like, why are they there? Yes. Does it have to do with space stuff? And I just thought this was really interesting to me. Now, there's also Stubbs is wearing a T-shirt that says um, uh, that that advertises aerial like drone tours of Hollywood. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of interesting too. More like air, like space stuff, drone. Like, what are they? I just felt that there was a weird little quick communication in this scene of like a foreshadowing of outer space. And that gets me extremely excited. Yeah. <laughs> Cause if they go yeah. to outer space in season four, I'm just going to like, I'll just splurge all over this podcast people because <laughs> I mean, come on, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Westworld yeah. in space. Right. Oh man. But it's um, got to happen. It's got to happen. And Stubbs was, he reminded me of, his brother in yeah. uh, what's the Avengers movies when he, when the, Thor is drinking and yeah, Fat Thor, <laughs> yeah, Fat Thor, dude. I think he it was really a little bit of like an homage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it totally was. It had to be a, an homage to Fat Thor because yeah, he was sort of acting like Fat Thor, and you know, and and you know, he's got some meat on his bones. He's a thick guy, yeah. so I mean, he's not bad. I would never call him fat, but 
I mean, he there was he was reminiscent of, of let's just say of Fat Thor. Um, so yeah, and once again, it's like uh, uh, Bernard is making. Was he making additional clickers? Is that what he was doing? I think yeah. I think he was making a almost Another. like a general clicker. Like he has the clicker for himself, I think, okay. because he's running a separate like subroutine that he checks yeah. himself. I think the clicker he made was a was generalized to any host. Because he because he tested it on stuff. Yes, that's what I think it was. It was for and maybe anyone but him. Yeah. Right, because he's a host too, so he has to. Right. He has to make a special one that stops all hosts but him. Yeah. So I think that's what it was. Um, okay. And that was that whole scene was so amazing. I thought it was like. I almost wish that we could have had like some webisodes where they're hanging out in the hotel for a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been great, man. I thought that giving Stubbs this personality and the way that, you know, after he clicks him and stops him, he's like, fuck you, Bernard. And it was just like on the uh, when they left Westworld and he was like, you could have just asked me. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. he really has a personality now. And I'm really, I'm just excited that they, I don't know, man, this season is just really amazing. They just made so many right choices to me to take like up certain characters and he's one of them. Um, but I thought it was interesting that we find out that basically Bernard is under the impression that Dolores is going to kill and replace Gallagher. Yeah. Um, what, that's his name. I'm keep on getting them all mixed up. What's his name in the show again? No, it's Liam Dempsey. Liam Dempsey. See, I keep on calling him Liam Gallagher in my notes. I keep on doing this. Well, I can't get away from it. The actor. Yeah. Yeah. His name, the actor's name is John Gallagher. So yes. that's why you're doing it. And then it's, uh, but then it's Liam Gallagher from Oasis. I get all mixed up. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. So yeah, it's Liam Dempsey, Dempsey. Jr. Okay. Because Liam Dempsey Sr. was the co-founder yes. of, of, of. Uh, the company and they show a nice little picture there too. Um, yeah. and they see, you see Dolores in the background. So basically Stubb says, okay, Bernard, you think that we're just going to be able to go and take the host copy yeah. of Dempsey. Um, of course they don't know what's going to happen, but I think it's interesting. He says, so you think the plan is kill and replace. And I think that's kind of interesting the way like Stubbs, he's still like the security guy. Yeah. So he gives it like a name, you know, like catch and kill, kill and replace, <laughs> shock right. and awe, right? Right. Like, <laughs> right. Kill and replace. And they, it was just a really quick, nice little scene. And yeah. we, we find out that, you know, everybody's kind of already, I felt, oh, okay. We're, they're headed somewhere. What are we going to find out that we get to a next scene and Dolores is getting Caleb all spruced up and he's trying on different suits, right? Yeah. The, the, the two scenes or the two sequences between um, Stubbs and Bernard and uh, Dolores and Caleb are very similar. Like both of them are two first and both of them, in both cases, the two, the two characters are getting ready for something. Um, and it isn't until the end of the episode when the entire sequence is playing out that we see it all come together. But both of them are, are like building sequences where you, it, with, with Bernard and Stubbs, 
You see him in a hotel. You see him working on the clicker, blah, blah, blah. And then with Dolores and Caleb, like you said, it starts off with them at a kind of a swanky, you know, men's clothing store. Um, and then, and then they eventually go to like this kind of off the books financial marketplace. Um, but once again, I'm kind of, always awed by the casual dropping of like future technology. Um, it was fun to see him trying on clothes at the store. Um, kind of like, uh, kind of like virtually trying on clothes. Yeah. Um, that was, that was a nifty. And then the whole idea that, um, well, let, let, let me back up a little after they leave the store, Dolores attacks a man in broad, daylight so i was like where are all the cameras like why like that was a a little moment where i was taken out of the story just for a split second because i don't know if i believed that she could just walk up to a man like that and sort of take him out and there wouldn't be eyes on her um but i guess she did it quickly i you know what ken i agree with you and this first struck me as almost a little silly. Yeah. Um, And then I remembered the confidence that when they were walking down the street and he was looking over his shoulder, worried that, you know, I'm on the run, they're going to get me. Yeah. And she was just confident. I think that she's got that all under control. What are cameras? They're electronic, right? They're computerized. That's That's true. What, how would the data get to a human? Yeah. Every we see now that this is a society that completely depends on technology. Yeah. And nobody believes anything unless it's verified by technology. Right. And she can verify that technology. So yeah. I think that she does have that confidence like that, but it does make you question how far into Rehoboam she already is, how much she controls. Um, and it's, it's interesting. Imagine if you could listen to a podcast where James Delos tells you why he bought Westworld. Well, James Delos isn't real, but Christopher Slough of Reddit, Brandon Hillcart of Bark and Cortland Allen of Indie Hackers are. And so is Code Story. Code Story is a podcast interviewing the tech visionaries about their journeys, building products from nothing to something amazing. Code Story is a podcast interviewing the tech visionaries about their journeys. Like How I Built This with Guy Raz, this is the same type of podcast, but bend towards those in the tech world. In the show, host Noah Labhart digs into the critical details about what it takes to change an industry, how the tech visionary got started building their world-changing product, what sort of trade-offs they had to make in the beginning, and how they coped with them. Our tech leaders are not only brilliant builders, they're humans, and they have a human story to tell. Hey, I've listened to the podcast, and it's awesome. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're into tech. And if you want to hear the real human stories behind that tech, Code Story is the podcast for you. Subscribe to Code Story now on every major podcast platform. Code Story, the future is now. What we what we don't have here in the outside world, and I was thinking about that. This point made me think about that, Ken, is I thought that they might introduce like a governmental or or a military third party into the show. 
Yeah. That is observing what Dolores and Rehoboam or um, Sirach is doing. And maybe this is something that will appear. But if you in a writer's room and you're thinking about it, you're like, okay, how do we get that perspective? But we don't really have that perspective because it seems like in this world, the corporations are the government. Well, it seems like it's possible given what may or may – what like we, we, we don't know the details of what happened to Paris, but it seemed like – shit went down yes. in you know in 30 or 40 years um like the humans fucked things up for themselves in 30 or 40 years as they inevitably always do in a lot of science fiction uh, all the way back to like planet of the apes um so um it's possible that this world is like a tech a technocracy yeah you know like maybe that's what people rely on now instead of centralized governments they rely on uh, you know technology and the people who bring them the, that technology. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And as we see, that is, you know, this verification and this, this technology is what this plan with Caleb and Dolores is all about and why they knock that guy out. He's the accountant. They take his blood. It has a tracer. So you, it goes even farther than just your fingerprint. It's like biometrics and, and, you know, yeah. I guess when it touches your finger, it's also taking a little bit of blood or a DNA sample or something, and then it recognizes the code. Yeah. Um, and we also see that she calls up Martin Bot, and yeah. he roughs up um, Liam again, and which is similar to how he did it in episode two. So that's yeah. like we've seen that that's how their relationship is. It's in character. Yeah, it definitely in character. And he's uh, – Gallagher, the actor, is playing it great. Um, he is just like such a schmucky, rich <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like he was born to be roughed up by a guy like Martin, you know? Yeah, yes. um, And he plays it too, uh, uh, plays it well too, the actor playing Martin. He is just really adding – uh, a sinister quality to, and it's interesting on Sons of Anarchy, it's, they kind of highlighted his scars on his mouth. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed them, but he was a, actually, he was a DJ and, and he got attacked by a broken bottle huh. when he was younger and someone sliced him across the face and it went like across his mouth. And if you can see this in Sons of Anarchy, you can really see the scar. But they really, it was interesting the way, I didn't see the scar as much, but they really, they highlighted his real a tight close up. And yeah. you can really see his skin. And I just think to highlight the humanity in light of him being a replica, you know? Yeah. Um, that they're doing this, but I just thought that that little quick scene was really, I just really enjoyed it. And I thought the interplay between the actors really sold it. But the information we get is that Liam signs over, what do they call it? His hash code. Yes. And so now they've got what they need to basically get all his money. 
Right, which they do when they go to the financial institution, which is also kind of this great mini set piece where it was tense and the woman who was helping them was like, she seemed at times like she was on to them. And, you know, there was a time element because they only had 10 or 15 minutes before the sample that Dolores injected into Caleb would run out. And, and he had to like verify himself twice. And the, <laughs> the second verification, you weren't sure it was going to go through. And I was at the edge of my seat. I know sometimes sweat can interfere with it. And he's like, white, you know, she takes a tissue out. Yeah. Or right. like a, it's, Oh, and he's, tw- it was good. And Aaron Paul was subtle this episode, yeah, but, just as solid as he always is. And that's like, that's what made Aaron Paul so awesome in breaking bad is he doesn't have to talk to communicate. Yeah. Um, and just his body language and especially his grumpy face, yeah. he, he can just communicate so much. And it's interesting because what is he doing? Like he, he, the last we saw of him and Dolores you know, he's like, you're the only real thing, right? Like she did the whole info dump about Rehoboam to him. So yeah. now though, you can tell he's just kind of following her orders. You know, it's not as though he's taken control of himself in this new life. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like he's now just following Dolores. And I assume we're going to find out more stuff about yeah. his backstory that will make this like like fill this in. You know what I mean? I mean, we already know he was a soldier. Exactly. So, yep. so in a weird way, it's like he's fallen into like another regimen where he's just taking orders this time from Dolores. Um, and, yeah, and it makes you think: How long can that last? Right. Before he <laughs> realizes, now I'm just following your orders, lady. What am I doing? Well, you've already seen a little bit of flashes. Like he's so good. He's such a good actor that sometimes you see something flash across his eyes where it's like he's thinking, what the hell am I doing? Is this the right thing to be doing? Like she's, she's kind of nuts. She's a little nuts, but (laughs) because she is a little nuts, but, um, but yeah, but so far he's still basically on board. There's a little bit of hesitation now and then, but he's still basically on board. And I'm also looking for clues as to whether or not he suspected she's a host at all. Yeah. Because we don't, he does not know that there is no indication that he knows she's a host. He doesn't really know anything about her except that she has this power that, and, and she, and she seems to be able to control the things around her could be, but there has not been a conversation where she's like, Oh, by the way, I'm a robot from Westworld. Yeah. You know, right. So we really, that was an interesting part of this episode is they go through basically two huge heists together, the bank heist and then the ball heist. And really we get no dialogue between them. uh, Really that kind of sets up the actual events or why they're happening. Right. It was, it was really, it reminded me of I guess well everything in a way reminds me of like French New Wave, but you know, films like that where the gang where the gangster movies where they just ha- things just happen and yeah. they don't really sit around explaining everything. There's a little bit of it when he's getting his suit on. She's just like, you're gonna play the part. But yeah. 
She doesn't say, hey, we're taking this guy's money because I'm a robot and Rehoboam's this computer. And remember I told you about it last episode? Well, what we're trying to do, <laughs> like, well, he just and, does it. But but from a character point of view, they seem to have laid lots of Easter eggs that Caleb will, in fact, have a huge problem when he finds out that she's a host. Because he seems to be anti-technology. Yeah. Because he had turned off his chip. Um, and... And so, he sees this as it controlling him. Right. And then he's like, he stressed that he wanted to look for something quote unquote real. So I, I mean, they've given every indication that when he in fact finds out that Dolores is not real, that she's a host, that he may have a huge problem with that. Now, where will that leave him? We, we don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. And I think that that we should definitely, Keep keep track of that because there's something internally happening with Caleb that we've not yet seen externally yet in this narrative. Um, and um, the last twofer that we got before the quote-unquote ending sequence that involved all of the strands happening at the same time was between Maeve and Ciroc. And it was another twofer between them. And it was also like them getting ready for something. Um, and once again, a really interesting conversation between the two of them where he uh, revealed a little bit more about himself, but also presented her with a very clear, what seems like a very clear cut choice. He called it heaven and hell. Um, and then he kind of elaborated to let her know what he meant by that. Um, heaven in this case would be reuniting with her daughter in the sublime and hell would be continuing to be under his thumb or continuing to live in this world where she doesn't really control herself. Um, so that was the choice he gave her. He made it clear to her though, that both all roads lead to Dolores, that what he wants leads to Dolores and what she wants leads to Dolores. Yes. They, they, they have, they have the same desires. Um, and I think that what made this interesting to me is not only that story about it, it you got an insight into Sirach, right? You did. And yeah. you saw that, you know, I was seeing him as this kind of watchman, Adrian Veidt character. I'm going to control everything. We see that this comes from his own tragedy, right? That's his cornerstone. Yeah. Is this, is this nuclear attack that happened in Paris? And there is, when they, when they started um, doing the trailers for season three, they did a little bit of stuff on websites that you can go and find that talk about this. And like, there was also like a second Russian revolution and there were things that happened in the world that they mentioned. So I wonder how much deeper we're going to get into finding out about what, what the hell, what was going on in Westworld when this happened, right? Like yeah. how did this affect the rest of the world? When did this happen? Um, and how the world has really changed, but we see that he really, feels like he is saving humanity from another from destruction like he saw himself and that for to see that in his character and even the way vincent cassell the actor was like 
tearing up at certain times, you know, and he was saying, you know, humanity and I, we have a rough relationship, you know, uh, and he, what an actor he is. It would just really, um, made me love this character. We've seen him a little bit, but this in particular, and what we get later when they go to Arnold's house and they confront and kind of torture and he eventually kills this guy, Zhang. Yeah. the identity broker, you're really learning a lot about this character. He's willing to kill like that, but he wants to save everyone. It's still like, he's still, I mean, I got a little bit more into his emotion, but I still feel he is like that Vite character, that, you know, Lex Luthor type character. Right. That, that, um, he, he's the hero of his own story. Exactly. Right. He Um, thinks he's doing good. Right. Now, here's the interesting question for you. A lot of what, like, I felt like I was observing him, but I was also watching Maeve observe him. And she has an inscrutable face. Um, and and Tandy Newton is great at this. Um, what do you think is really going on in that head of hers? Like, do you think she's buying any of it, even the, the, the dangle of quote-unquote heaven? Or do you think she's biding her time, waiting for a moment to strike out at a man that she may or may not consider to be just as dangerous as as the people that he says he's fighting? You know, that's awesome, Ken, because what I'm thinking is Maeve is now developing her own – and I'm not sure what it is so far, but I think it's going to be close to what you said, which is taking out – um, Dolores and Sirach and yeah, maybe yeah. Arnold to maybe Bernard yeah. too. Like, right, I right. think Maeve is internally developing her own ethos, her own idea. I don't think she wants to go back and escape. I think there's a part of her that still wants to go to the Valley beyond and be with her daughter. Right. But I think that a larger part of her is growing internally. That is feeling that maybe she's the hero. Or maybe well, she doesn't have a choice, but to be now, she's the mother of exiles, maybe. Right, right, right. Because it seems clear to me that that Ciroc is probably overselling the how much pull the whole heaven offer has with Maeve. Yeah. Uh, yep. I think he thinks it's like a winner and like 100% going to get her. I, I'm not sure. Like, I, I, I agree with you. I think it was mainly important to Maeve that her daughter escape to the Valley beyond. I agree. I don't know how important it is for her to actually be reunited with her there. Um, I think that's secondary. I think the main thing was to, to help her escape so that she could live a life somewhere else. Um, but I think Ciroc is ultimately playing the wrong hand here and doesn't know it. That would be my guess. I agree. I totally agree. And it's because it's one of control. And he also says something to her, which was just almost a throwaway line, but they flash right to her when he says it. And when he's saying about the heaven and hell thing, you go there and she says, well, I think she says, well, it starts out. She says, well, what will happen with me, darling? And he says, well, there's no path for your kind in our world. Yeah. Very plainly, there's no path for your kind in our world. 
Now, first of all, it's an old white guy sitting there talking to a black woman saying that, right? <laughs> right. And the, you have that kind of meta idea. But within the confines of this show, you don't say that to Maeve, right? Like, you're not going right. to – you're kind in our world. Like, she's more likely to turn around and go, well, this isn't your world, darling. You know? Well, and by the way, you made us – Right. That, and that, so, yeah, that's a great point. Uh, but it makes me think the other throwaway line was when she asked him if his children were in that simulation when oh. he put the glasses on him. Um, and he said, yeah. Um, and the look and the, the camera also flashed to her face when he said, yes. Um, he's willing be- because that's what he's willing to do. He's willing to kill children. Which we know Maeve does not fly with that. No. Like, that's not cool with her, um, particularly given that she bonded with a child that she considered to be a daughter. Um, so that seems to be not the way to go with Maeve either. Um, but ultimately, you're right. We got to see a few different sides of Ciroc, which is welcome. Um, you know, just little glimpses. Um, I assume we're going to get more in future episodes, but we got to see kind of a vulnerable side to Ciroc. And we also got to see a ruthless side to Ciroc where he was very much like, you know, the arch villain who, who thinks that he's doing the right thing, but really it's all about control and power. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. An inter- an interesting thing is when they go to Arnold's house he introduces it by saying, this is where the first divergence happened, right? Mm, With the yeah, system right. traced the divergence to this house about three months ago. Yeah. And that makes me think that in the other episodes, and when we saw the divergence in Victorville, right? Is yeah. he seeing those two? So was that a clue to us? That any time we've seen this divergence interstitial, this this credit seat, little quick credit thing here, yeah. um, does that mean that Sirach knows what's going on? What, did he know that Bernard and Stubbs were there? Or has he lost control now and he just simply knows it's a divergence? What yeah. Like how do these add up? Because – I'm kind of a little bit obsessed with that. That's a big decision. When you're sitting in an edit room, when you're writing a script and you decide to put in titles or a little inner, I call it like in the biz, you call it like a little interstitial like that. Yeah. That's a big decision because that takes the audience out of the world. Right. Yeah. But in this show, I think they wouldn't do that without it being part of the world. So I yeah. do think that's part of – I think we should be paying attention to the fact that he. anytime we've seen that, he's maybe all – he's not only tracking what's happening with um, Dolores, Caleb. May, he's maybe also tracking what's happening with Bernard. And maybe yeah. Bernard is playing into this in a in a way that we don't quite understand yet. Maybe not only on Ciroc's part, but Dolores as well. Well, the other thing was he 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 was able to confirm through telling Maeve that he knew that Dolores took five yep. host modules out of the park. Um, 
and uh, and so um, he knows that he doesn't know what she did with them, um, and he doesn't know the identity of those host modules because even when that quick screen came up, like I went back and paused it, yeah. it said I, it said identity unknown. Yep. Of course it did because I was hoping it was going to say names <laughs> like 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 uh, like Teddy and yep. <laughs> Abernathy and I'm all like, the oh, ones great. we thought. Yeah, that, right. me too. I remember, but I thought that was cool too. That was a nice. Yeah. I just think they're doing really cool by returning to these play. They're really building this up, these kind of thriller, like international spy elements. Right. I really like. And I and I thought it was cool too, the little journey that then Maeve goes on. Right. They, they right t- from that conversation. Yeah, right. They take out the uh Zhang and then Zhang sends him to the mortician. The mortician sends him to sends him to the Yakuza, but the whole mortician part was cool too. And you just see that Maeve as she's walking through the streets, like the lights are going on and off. She's affecting things. It's weird. It was so, it was so, um, it was so, um, it was so matrix, right? Like, like just that she was going after the mortician and, and kind of, the way it was staged with her ability, her newfound ability in the real world to control technology itself, um, was felt very matrixy. Um, so in the theme park, she could control other hosts. Now that she's in the real world, she's like Ultron, right? Like she can control technology itself. And I don't think we've seen, I think we just scratched the surface about like what she can do. And that's what she's learning too, though, right, Ken? Right, like right. On the fly, right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that an important part of this episode is that we lear- we see Dolores doing stuff, right, as the different characters, Charlotte and whatnot, Martin, you know, William doing stuff. But both Maeve and Caleb seem to be these kind of on autopilot, right? Yeah. And they're just doing what – but. They're both really learning. And especially, I think that's what Maeve is doing. That's what she always did. If you look at the previous seasons, she would kind of coast and then she would go, oh, darling, I control all this. And then she turns it on. And I think that that is going to happen with her. And I wouldn't be surprised that she finds a way around whatever Ciroc put inside her. Just the yeah. same way she found a way out of his simulation, I think she's going to be able to outsmart him. And she's learning about the world she's in. And the mortician thing was cool too, you know? She bonds a little, hey, you're a woman, you know? You're a woman in charge. You like to yeah. take apart dead bodies and stuff. I'm down <laughs> with that too, you know? Right, I, I've, right. I've killed myself a couple times or two. Um, yeah. And we find, again, the name Laura Espin. That really Dolores only wanted one identity. And that was a clue right away to the, to the kind of, there's a, so many clues in this episode to the reveal at the end. And when we go back and look through them, I mean, I'm sure there's already a YouTube super cut. Yes. But that was a, that was a, when she said that, I have to admit that now we had talked, I had previously talked about. Dolores being simultaneously in many bodies at once. I yes, didn't you make, had. I had, I didn't make the full prediction, so I'm not going to pat yeah. myself on the back, but I mean, we talked about 
We did. Every possibility, right? Yes. Um, but this was, to me, I started to get an inkling of it. This is the point at the episode where I got really got that inkling. Like there were other things where I thought maybe this person is, oh, maybe that is Dolores, especially Hale. Yeah. But at when she said that, I started thinking, wait a second, they're pulling something on us here. Yeah. Like she only wanted one. Why would she go through all that trouble? Right. And she just wants one fake identity for right now. So I started thinking, oh, this is kind of interesting, but they didn't really concentrate on it too much. And I do want to mention it was kind of Maeve did a cool little thing where the guy pulls out the gun in the background and she just doesn't even look and shoots him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the other thing, just kind of like from a, from a, from a production point of view, Uh, Ciroc and um, Maeve were in Singapore and I happen to know, as a matter of fact, and probably a lot of people do too, that they're filming LA as they're filming in Singapore. And, and it's also standing in for LA, um, because they felt like Singapore looked futuristic enough now in 2020 to sort of stand in for quote unquote, a futuristic LA. So not only were they literally in filming in Singapore, well, they are literally filming in Singapore, but last night, Ciroc and Maeve were in quote unquote Singapore, yeah. but they're also using Singapore to stand in as, as Los Angeles. So yeah. that's great. Yeah. And it works. So, I mean, God, the locations, it's just, it's amazing. It shows it's stunning. You, yeah. I mean, that's what I said. Like, yeah. Hey, America is absolutely gorgeous and there are so many amazing cities that look different and yeah. and nature but when you travel out to all over the world you just it, this just looks like nothing that I've seen you know I'm not right I'm not super familiar with Singapore I think I saw some Netflix show called like Singapore Social or something and I was like wow those buildings look awesome but um this is they're really doing a great job of doing this and choosing the interiors, the exteriors, everything yeah. looks so futuristic. And it, it really, does. it's that meeting of nature and technology that you see over and over again. There's always plants on the interior, on the exterior, right? Yeah. Um, just like in, at his home. And uh, so we get what happened. She, oh, there was a nice, there was a funny line that I wanted to mention when, um, when Maeve is at the mortician and she says, did you, did you meet this girl? Golden blonde hair, a little intense, <laughs> a little. I always love it when characters describe other characters yeah. on, in, in fictional stories. Cause it's always such a great giveaway to the character that they're describing, but also the character who's describing, it says a lot about both. Um, it says a lot about Maeve that she would describe her that way, but it also obviously says something about Dolores that that's how she described her. Um, but yeah, so Maeve going to the mortician, uh, to the mortician leads them directly to a Yakuza hideout in Singapore. Uh, and for those people who don't know, the Yakuza is just like, Asian organized crime, usually in Japan, right. um, uh, Japanese based organized crime, uh, uh, syndicates. Um, but in this case, it's the Yakuza in Singapore. And so they go there and it sort of sets up this whole sequence where the mortician and Maeve 
are at the Yakuza headquarters. All of our other characters are after Liam Dempsey at this weird um, eyes wide open sort of masked ball, which is really because. Okay, so this is what I got, and correct me if I'm wrong. Was the idea of this mask ball that they were auctioning off prostitutes to rich people? I think it was a – yes, they had the sex workers who I yeah. first thought were hosts because the guys in front of them had like the tripod, iPad thing. But yeah. those were actually just to transmit – um, the purchase, right? The transaction. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I think that was very purposeful because as Dolores says, when they enter, um, again, she says, this world is a lot like the world I came from. Right. And yes. we've seen this before. And I think that that was such a brilliant way of visually communicating that because I bet you there's a lot of people who thought that the sex workers were actually hosts, but they weren't. They were humans. Yeah, yeah. But the people were just holding the pads to transact. But it did look like the way that they were even directed, it was like the the guys with the pads would like to go doot, doot, doot. And then like the person up there would move a little bit, you know what I'm saying? And you yeah. thought they were controlling them. But they weren't. But I. Th- but I do think. Yeah, it was like an eyes wide shut for charity. <laughs> oh my god! It's so. It was so twisted. Of course, Roderick Dempsey's friend brings up to Dempsey that he quote unquote has a type. Yeah. Um, well, I know because that. yeah because the sex worker that Dempsey ultimately wants to bid on is a dead ringer for Dolores. Oh dead yeah. ringer. And we see and we see Bush here too. We're getting some full frontal up in Westworld. <laughs> that's right. That's right. They, so um yeah, so they're at an eyes wide shut charity ball, if you can wrap your mind around that. Um Bernard is there, Stubbs is there, Caleb is there, Dolores is there, and um Martin is there. Um and they're all looking for Dempsey. Yep. Um, and you think that Martin and Dolores and Caleb have the jump on Dempsey. It's so well staged. But just at the moment that you think the three of them are going to get him, Bernard and Stubbs show up and they grab him. Um, and and then you think they have him. But then, of course, it, it, it morphs from there. But the way they stage the entire sequence, both at the ball and at the Yakuza headquarters – where the mortician and Maeve are um, and it's all being intercut as well. Like the stuff at the ball is being intercut with the Yakuza headquarters stuff. Um, and it's great. Yeah. They did a, they did a fantastic job here because you're right. You see Dempsey, then he meets his friends. Oh, we recognize them from the first episode. They were the right. ones hanging outside with him and, De- and Dolores. Yeah. Um, and, and so they, he also says to him, um, what's the line? He says, I had it down here. He says, like, tonight's not a night for dead girlfriends. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. And, I, and that's the kind of people they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, uh, it's, the, it's the Richies here. And right. the other thing is, he, so he meets them, right? Then Dolores yeah. and Caleb arrive. Dolores yeah. makes contact with Martin. So, you know, something's up then though, Martin sees Bernard and Stubbs and he, and, or he says to Dolores, 
he makes reference. He says, our friends are a little early. Yeah, yeah. That so was they, a great throwaway line. Yeah, they knew that Stubbs yes. and Bernard were coming there. Right. But they but he specifically said early as if as there if, was a different plan. Right. As if Dolores knew that Bernard was gonna show up to stop her at some point, mm-hmm. but just further down the road a little. See, I wasn't sure if he that's that's a great point, Ken. I wasn't sure if he meant early that night in this little sequence or early in our overall plan. Yeah. I took it as early in our overall plan, Okay, but but it still makes me wonder what has to be filled in yet with Dolores's latest recreation of Bernard. Like what did she do to him? Because he's wondering the same thing. And if he's wondering it, then it's important and we should be wondering it too. Like why, why did she remake him? How did she remake him? How is he part of her plan? Like all of those are really important questions. Yeah. I would not be surprised to find out that she wanted Stubbs back here. She wanted you, right? Like everything that Bernard has done, he has been being controlled by Dolores the entire time. I don't think it's crazy to say that at all. No, I you don't. Know? I mean, it's I totally plausible. And I, I thought the way that Stubbs and Bernard grab, um, like Dempsey, they yeah. grab him, and it's so funny. <laughs> he's like, "Freeze motor functions." <laughs> Freeze. He's like, "What? What are you doing? What are you doing?" You know. And then Stubbs is like, "He's not a host. It didn't happen yet." And it's just, it was so comical. They're it like was. taking their masks off, yeah. you know, and and we know that Dolores and Martin know already that they're there. Right. So it's, it just makes it really kind of comical and Bernard, you have, I have, you have such a sweet spot for him and their earlier scene was so funny that I just thought it was a great balance here in the, you know, you're, you're having Dolores fighting Stubbs later and like all this stuff happening. And meanwhile, they're like comically trying to like sneak a guy out of a ball. It was almost like a Marx brothers routine or something. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really kind of cute. It was absolutely. Taking a little break from this show to remind you again of our amazing presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. They've been with us for over a year. We're so proud to have them. So go out and support them. If you're a listener to any of our podcasts, take a moment right now, type in Cufflinks.com slash DVR into that old web browser and you will arrive and you will be amazed, happy surprised at the amazing products that cufflinks.com has you might think to yourself hey i don't have an informal event coming up you know i'm not into cufflinks but guess what they have a lot more than that actually i'm wearing a pair of star wars socks that they sent me cufflinks.com is where it's at go to cufflinks.com slash dvr today hey everybody i've got an exciting announcement our very own Heath Santazo, a.k.a. Heath Solo, who you know is a great actor, has been writing a screenplay and is now producing his first feature film, The Star City Murders. A team of detectives are tracking down a serial killer, but his methods are like nothing law enforcement has ever seen. It's a race against time before more victims are claimed. The Star City Murders. 
You can be a big part of this project and become a backer. Just go to cefilms.com for all the information on the film and how to donate, or go to kickstarter.com and search The Star City Murders. And also, if you look in the show notes or at dvrpodcast.com, all the links are there for you. There are many great rewards for donating, including a tier where you get an exclusive behind-the-scene podcast hosted by me, Axel Foley. That's right. Let's help get Solo make this movie, all right? Go out there and donate $5, $10, whatever you can give. Let's make sure that Solo gets this done. And also, all the Patreon funds coming to DVR Podcast are going to this Kickstarter because we believe in Solo. This is going to be an awesome movie and we want to be a part of it. So head on over to CE Films today. The Star City Murders, baby. Let's find the killer. Um, I failed to mention that sort of the last strand, strand of, of this sequence has to do with Charlotte coming up, coming over to William's house to pick him up for the quote unquote meeting. Cause that's also intercut yep. in this yep. because uh, at the climax of the sequence, which we're going to get to in a few minutes, there's a reveal that there's three reveals that pretty much all happen at the same time within the three different strands. Um, so there's a, there's a Charlotte William thing too, but really she's just there to quote unquote, pick him up because he's cleaned himself up now and is ready to go to this board meeting. So, but back at the, at the charity ball, um, yeah, you're right. It was kind of high comedy. And then we switch over to the Yakuza for this kind of, once again, sort of a matrixy action sequence where Maeve totally. turns their guns, like the, the, the Yakuza thugs, she turns their guns back on them. Yeah, that was cool. They have these robotic guns. And there's a quick line when she says, you know, like, you shouldn't point that at me when you need a computer to help you aim or something, right? right? So right, just a, right. a quick nod. These are computer-controlled guns. That's why she can take control of them. And yeah. even the way the stunt guys acted with them was really great. You know, you can tell that they put a lot of time into right. like you see one guy, he's really trying to aim and then his wrist just flicks. Right. And just shoots them. I thought this was really cool. And the whole warehouse setup. And one thing I wanted to say is that there's, if you translate, um, the, the front of the, I read this actually, Jenny sent me a nice article from our Kim, from our friend, Kim Renfro on the okay. insider. She was a guest on podcast Winterfell a couple of months ago. Um, and she's been doing her, um, the recaps kind of nine things you may have not seen on Westworld. And she makes reference to the fact that, the name of the place where they meet the Yakuza is Ataya Doshin, a Buddhist term that means many in body, one in mind. Which is a clue. Yeah. So it's the Ataya Doshin distillery. And it's obviously, the ultimate clue. Yeah, the ultimate clue. But again, you know, as a person who's into Buddhism, it further show I mean, the show really they do they do a lot of that in this. And yeah. I think that this was a cool little kind of throwaway because that that does that's kind of how I was thinking about this simultaneous mind thing which is that there is another level to it that I hope they get into yeah. and when we look back and we think about last episode and the journey that 
Shalar, Shalar, Shalarit, or whatever. <laughs> are you going to say her name? Right. Shaloris, um, yeah. you know, was in such internal agony about what she was, who she was. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Um, and well, we shouldn't forget that journey that we saw just because we got a big reveal, you know? Yeah. Well, there were actually two reveals at the Yakuza headquarters. One, ginormous and the other one slightly less ginormous during the gunfight barrels are disrupted which re- spill out the white gooey liquid yeah. that is used to make hosts yep. so what does that mean what is if dolores is in well we later find out that dolores is in fact controlling the yakuza so if the yakuza are shipping the host fluid what are they doing with it? Is she making an army? Is she mm-hmm. like, catch. what is she doing? Yeah. What is she doing? So that was one reveal. But the major, major reveal was when May finally confronts Sato, who she understood was the leader of the Singapore Yakuza. She recognizes him as Mushashi, the guy from Shogun World from season two. Yep. Yeah. Which was interesting. Now, yeah. That's When you think about it later and you think that is... Dolores, why did she choose that host body? Yeah. Right? Like, it makes you think. We know why she chose Martin. We know why she chose Hale, right? Because they are people in the real world. Yes. But how, how hard it makes me think of, did the previous guy look just like him? Is it a, is it some kind of crazy, like, did Sizemore base what a uh, what a character in in Shogun World looks like on a real person, or did Dolores work over three months or so to rise this guy up in the Yakuza to become the boss? Like she took over the Yakuza. That's a great question. Right now, I'm leaning towards the second thing you yeah. said. Um, but we do know feel- Sizemore was lazy. So right? Like, <laughs> right. it's not inconceivable that the dude found a picture of right. a Yakuza you know, guy a in, a, in a pitch in a, in a newspaper or a magazine or online and yeah. made him look like that. But uh, that's now, what I didn't get. Now, when you first saw him. Like when May first saw him and you first saw him, did you think he was one of the modules? Yes. I mean, I guess yeah, I mean, yeah, because that's I, what yeah. she thought. Yep. I thought that's he, what she thought. Exactly. I thought she just made she took his pearl because he's a warrior. Right. And right. um and but I was still questioning it because just like the conversation they have where Maeve almost instantly figures out, wait, you're not Musashi. Because you wouldn't be saying, you wouldn't be blaming me for leaving you. That's not what happened. Right. You know? So when he was saying that, I was thinking, yeah, what the hell's going on here? That's not him. So why did she choose his body? And I just, I'm still a little confused of why it's him. Yeah. But it was still cool though. And the white stuff coming out. I th- I love the fact that you said, is she creating an army? Because at first you think, okay, maybe this is just um, thematic. This is symbolism, right? Right. You know, um, but 
you know, inside Westworld, outside Westworld, same thing. But I think you're right. I think that there's a reason why Dolores took over the Yakuza. She didn't just do it so she could, you know, because she was getting identities. She is maybe doing this because we have Bernard, Shaloris, Martin, and uh, Musashi. That leaves one left. Right? Yeah. Well, no. She can make bodies. Um, she but- can make – no, but how many pearls does she have? We don't know. We still don't know where one pearl is. Well, no. We don't know where four pearls are because the only pearls we know is her and Bernard uh, because she she put herself into empty bodies so we still don't know the identity of the other four modules. Okay, that's it. Okay, that's an interesting uh, – this is where it gets into the weird technicalities of what what Dolores can make and what she can't make, right? Yeah. Because I, my thinking is that while she was in Westworld, she made uh, – she took Bernard's Pearl – Right. Yeah. Right. Then do that. Then she took. Then she. The other four were her. The or we. Oh, okay. I see. Three of them are her, and we still don't know what one of them is. That's what I was thinking. But that's interesting. That okay. So you're thinking, okay, well, that's great too. And you actually mentioned that last week. So the idea that she split her consciousness and installed them into three other modules. Yep. And then we still wouldn't know who's in the fourth module unless she, the, and unless that's her too. And we just don't know what body she put that in. Um, so she could have split herself four times and right. put them all in different people. Or my idea, because that's interesting, and that's that's interesting in a whole different way, in a whole different provocative way. Or the idea that we still don't know who the other four modules are because she's able to split her consciousness into other bodies without needing additional modules. That that's the question. That's right. the, that's it. But I think she does need the the the. The, so the pearls are the balls, the control right. units are the ice cream cones that it goes into. Right. So she had the five pearls, one right. Bernard, one Shaloris, one DeMartin, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Right. One, um, uh, who's the other person? Kibumashi. Right, right. Musashi, right. right. So yeah. that's my thinking. And the fourth, the fifth one I would think that she only made three copies of herself and we're going to find out that the fifth one is somebody different. She actually did take one other person besides Bernard out of Westworld just for fun. And because I think it would be, it kind of fits the show, but I mean, I'm thinking right because we still don't know who that fifth, what's inside that fifth Pearl. And all of the, uh, Dolores clones or the Dolores ites, um, they all survived. They did not like yep. even, um, Sato, um, got away. Yep. Now, did you think 
He was leaning over Maeve's body. Was he going to take her pearl? That's what I thought he was going to do. Yeah. It was looked like he was grabbing her hair to cut yeah. the back of her head off so yeah. he could do, so he could take it out. Yeah, yeah. But then he got interrupted. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so at the same time that Maeve is confronting Sato slash Musashi slash well, we find out it's Dolores. At the, at that exact same moment, um, Bernard is confronting Martin and, um, and William is confronting Charlotte back at his place. And at that same exact moment, we find out that Charlotte is Dolores, Martin is Dolores, and Mushashi is Dolores. Yeah, this was great. And it, it, the way you're absolutely right, the editing, the way this was written, acted, directed it was just perfect and you get when you watch it back it is in fact william who is the first person to say dolores yeah 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 um, which is important i yeah. think that he's the one who said it first yep and but they you're right it is very simultaneous um yeah. that we see it all happening at the same time and it's really fantastic and the weird now i another question that comes out of this to me is this um Dolores fights Stubbs, which we didn't talk much about it, but that was a fun fight. Yeah. You know, she throws him over the bat. I think he's still alive. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's a host, absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah. As as is Maeve. Maeve is obviously she right. her you know, she's deactivated, but her pearl is intact. She's fine. Yeah. She'll yeah. live another day. Um yep. but it's it's a weird thing that happens because Dolores tells Caleb to run after um, Dempsey. Yeah. Caleb goes and runs after Dempsey. Caleb finds Bernard and Dempsey outside, right? Yeah. And he stops, He, you know, he's got the gun on them. And Bernard is saying, you know, you don't know who Dolores is. Then Martin comes up. He takes out the rest of his security crew from behind. Yeah. And then he then he tells he tells Dempsey to run. And this is Dolores inside of Martin. He says, run, run. He runs away. He tells he tells Caleb, go catch him. Yeah. Right. And he runs away. We later get Dolores reveal herself to Dempsey with Caleb. So she knew she was going to catch up with him. Right. Yeah. yeah but yeah. it's just a weird, why did she want to confront, have Martin confront Bernard alone? Right. Um, like why, yeah. why did, why even tell Dempsey to run off and have Caleb catch up with him? Was it to also hide the fact from Caleb yes, that Martin was Dolores? That's it. Okay. That would be the only reason. Okay. That would cool. be the only reason. That's what I um, thank you. Because he doesn't, she doesn't want him to know that either yet or ever. Um, right. And, and right. That would be the only reason for her to get Dempsey and, Caleb out of the vicinity so that she could reveal herself to Bernard alone without them standing there. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder too, what else I, I mean, I don't know if we're going to pick right up, you know, all the stories are kind of together now. Right. Yeah. Um, but I wonder what, because we leave Maeve on the floor 
and right. Musashi has to run away. The cops are coming. No, it wasn't the cops. They they said her backup. Oh, that's right. It was it was not the cops. It was Ciroc's, it was Ciroc's men. men. Good job. Yeah. Thank you very much. Because You're right. They said they're probably tracking her. Mm-hmm. Her backup showed up. Good, so, good job. So, so, so presumably, Sorok's men are running right in to collect her body, clean her up, and fix her. Exactly. Yeah. Good call. Good call. And then we have, you know, we end with Dolores, Caleb, and um, and uh, Dempsey together, like in a in a kind of an alleyway, right? Yeah, and she reveals. Right. Um, and oh, but one thing that we had forgot is that Martin took but that clicker away from Bernard. That's right. He did do that. Yes. Which that seems important. That yeah. seems obviously very important. They made because, they made a point of showing that that Bernard does not have that. But does he have his other clicker for himself or is it the same clicker? <laughs> no. <laughs> right, right. It has two modes. And what are the chances that Bernard knew that someone was going to take that from him? Probably small, right? Yeah. Because he's not that kind of thinker. Like he's not like – I mean Dolores seems to be thinking like 10 steps ahead of everyone. Um, Poor Bernard. How impressive, is, how impressive is Dolores at this point as a fictional character who's trying to accomplish something? I mean she kicked Stubbs' ass. She kicked Maeve's ass. Um yeah. And she seemed, and she seemingly got what she wanted <laughs> out of all of this. Yeah, and I know. In last episode, I think I, on three podcasts last week, I was like, Dolores is not as in control as we think. No, um, she totally is. She's like but, the Benjamin Linus of Westworld. Yeah, she is. She, but I still think, though, I still think that she is overlooking certain things, and the things she's overlooking are is the. The, the absence of field, the spaces in between. I think she's overlooking yeah. um, Shaloris's uh, Sh- mental state. I think she's she overlooking Maeve, what Maeve is really doing there. Maybe that, that could have been an opportunity to come together instead of fight, right? I, right. I, I do. I think that she does have a lot of control here, but I also think that there's parts here that she's blind to yeah that she's exactly that she she's not maybe she's not she's doing a lot of doing and like Maeve's doing a lot of learning Caleb too she's hiding things from Caleb well she also may be blind to uh Bernard's ingenuity yes um she may also be blind to William's resilience yeah like just because she thinks she has him down right now, he's been down before. Yeah. Like, I mean, he could rise again from the ashes for sure, and still pose um, a credible threat to her. You know what? As you said that, Ken, I got this. I got this visual um, of him in that in that futuristic mental yeah. facility having another hallucination except this time it's a hallucination where he bends down and he opens up that old chest and takes out the black hat and puts it on his head and he's back right. for duty baby right 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 you know and you could see that yeah you could see so, him lifting himself back up so after the end of the sequence the final scene is man in black and Dolores, yep. right? Yep. Um, and she says, I mean, 
the writers of Westworld are great because in lots of ways, there isn't a whole lot of dialogue on this show. Um, there's other shows that you and I love where there's like a ton of dialogue. And this almost feels like a Western sometimes um, in that there's not always a ton of dialogue, particularly between people. Um, and so she says, um, it's the end of the game. Yep. Uh, to William, which seems also seems to be very important. Yeah, this was, um, you know, our longtime listener, James, who we call grandpa. He, he said this was this could almost in a way be like a series finale for him, you know, yeah. the way he's just sitting in there. But as we were just saying, I think don't. You know, whenever don't count him out. Yeah, don't get too confident, Dolores. The the ingenuity and that that human something, yeah, can rise up. And I think that though it was really stark, and we're also questioning: is that him or is this a fidelity test? Yeah. You know, um, what's really going on here with him? It fits his story, but I also do not think in any way that we've seen the last of William. Um, I don't, I mean, maybe he might, who knows, maybe that might be it for this season. I don't know. There's only four episodes left. We're at the halfway point. Um, well, uh, here's, here's another thing to ponder. And this is very meta. This is a big picture thing. Dolores was born. The host Dolores was born out of black despair. Um, you know, uh, Arnold had lost a child. And yeah. so the creation of her, the real creation of her, her consciousness, or what became known as her consciousness, was really born out of like someone who wanted to walk away from humanity because they could only see the darkness of humanity. Whereas I feel like Maeve was born out of light and hope and optimism and, and, and love because I feel like, um, um, uh, 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 Anthony Hopkins, um, had a completely different agenda with Maeve than Arnold had with Dolores. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think that, you know, we have to remember, yeah, Dolores was, Arnold's baby and Maeve is Ford's baby. And, and I, and I think that, you know, like I said too, I think last episode, uh, Ford didn't have Maeve shoot him in the head. That's right. right. That's right. And, and and let's not forget another part is if Dolores made three other pearls copies of herself did she extract Wyatt from that? And I don't think she did. And that's why we saw, we remember when we were talking about it last week, when um, Shaloris kills the pedophile. And I said, that's like the, the, the Wyatt part can't keep itself down. So Wyatt is inside of them, but Dolores herself is different from that she's past that programming she's incorporated that Wyatt into herself because of her experiences these three other hosts may not have had that opportunity like Martin can just basically act like Wyatt right where Charlotte has to act like more 
not like a crazy, you know, person. So she has to be a business savvy. She has a child. That's where the problem started, you know? Yeah. So I think it goes deep, um, to find out really what parts of herself are in these, are in these people. And you're absolutely well, right. It's a darkness that, that is in within her. And also the other thing she may be blind to, which they hinted at deeply in last week's episode is that I don't think she anticipated the glitch that Chaloris demonstrated last week. Yep. And I think it confused her and mystified her to a certain extent. It obviously did, but I don't think she knows what that's about. Um, and I, and that's a possible blind spot as well, because where is, have we seen the end of the evolution of that specifically in Chaloris? Yeah. And, and I know I, and I think that's absolutely right because listen, what, what, if we follow along what this show has taught us about its kind of ideology, um, Martin, Charlotte, um, are, and, and Musashi, they are not Dolores. They right. are now new people. Correct. So Correct. it's not fair to say that Dolores just copied herself. Right. And, and because this is, I, what we don't know is this, what I had previously kind of theorized is a host that could be in simultaneous bodies at the same time, perceiving yeah. everything that's happening in constant communication. If they're not linked like that, if they are separate entities that check in with one another, there is the opportunity for each one of those entities to become more and more separate from yeah. the origin. I agree with you. And that's absolutely the more fascinating road to go down. Right. Because it shows too, like mother of exiles, you know, I mean, that is, we kind of, I kind of forgot to say in the beginning, that's the statue of Liberty. Uh, you know, as soon as that came up, I knew that. I mean, I grew up in New Jersey. The statue of Liberty is in New Jersey, not New York, Ellis Island. And it makes you think like Dolores becoming the, these exiles, these exiles are herself, but they're not herself. They become new. They are in a sense, her children. Right. Yeah. They're because not, they're because they're not actually her. Like once yeah. in this universe, once she once she separated it from herself, you're right. It's like they became a their own entity. Yeah, Absolutely. it's like twins. Twins right. have the same DNA. They are not the same people. Like you know, and I was just watching um, Star Trek. I don't remember which one it was, but where you find out that there's a clone of Picard, who's played by yeah. Tom Hardy, by the way. Um, and, uh, and you know, the his character is obsessed. I am you. And whenever I see that, I'm always like, you're not him. You're you dude. The moment it's split, you became you just cause you have the same the experience makes you a person. Your right. DNA does not make your emotions, your experience, the way you react, every tiny little thing, the temperature, your location, right? Changes right. who you are. So, it's like nature versus nurture. Yeah. So I don't think that all of these are simply just copies of Dolores. She kind of created new people variations on herself. Right. Oh, th and that makes it. I mean, that makes me even more excited. Like, where is the story going? And um, yeah, it's it, it's just a really thrilling way to end this kind of like. Um, 
Well, this is the halfway mark then, because this is the fourth episode. There's only eight episodes. So this really does, in lots of ways, feel like the middle of the story or the middle of the chapter. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was great the way everybody met up. We we got the salute. We didn't have to wait to the end of the season to find out the solution to some of this. We still have one mystery. But I thought it was really brilliant. And it, it goes to show, you know... When Maeve says to Masai, like, why did you just, she says something, I'm like, why did you copy yourself? And she says, you know, I told you not everyone could make it to this new world. They're too weak or whatever, right? Yeah. But that is never, that is not a philosophy that is going to withstand time, Dolores. You can't just create copies of yourself because you create new people. There's no way to accomplish she is going to have to take into account that human factor, that consciousness factor, which I think is what she's missing and why I think eventually Dolores is going to have to change again. And why I thought that the scene between Dolores and Musashi, when they fight, when I, when we kind of realized what was happening, I was hoping that maybe they would, there would be some kind of uh, connection made between them. That would signal that they know they are somehow on the same side too, you know, but we've got four more episodes to see it. Yeah. Well, the other thing is when um, talking about the possible pitfalls for Dolores, she's mentioned gods a lot, old gods, gods. Um, I think her thinking of herself as a god is definitely a pitfall. Uh, yes. or at least a potential pitbull yeah. because I think it's really easy to, um, to, to, um, to hype yourself up so much that you just, that you stop looking at what's like right in front of you at yep. times. And that's what Ford feared a bit for Dolores too. Right. Right. He, and, and I think that it was interesting when Sirach said that, you know, Remember, Ford said the same thing. When humans created heaven and hell, when humans created God, right, which is a philosophy that they both share. So I think that was a little thing that made me think, hey, maybe there's a little bit more of Ford in Ciroc. You know, I mean, hey, Ciroc still could be virtual. We never know. (laughs) That's true. Absolutely. Right. All right, buddy. Well, wow. Another awesome episode, man. I, I This was a great time talking about it. I've got more ideas. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it with Jenny and Brett tomorrow. I think um, Jenny's going to bring – man, we went for like two and a half hours last week, which I don't think I'm going to be able to duplicate. I do not <laughs> – my son would not appreciate that. Seven years old having to be quiet for two and a half hours. I don't think it's happening. Um but uh, we're going to get some more theories from Brett, and then we've got Gina and Tim and Andy, and their show's been – I just want to give them a shout-out. Their show has been fantastic. They've got a great yeah. dynamic. I hope everyone's listening. And uh, I don't know. Anything else you want to say before we go, Ken? No. I think we've said it all. I think we've left it all on the table. We didn't leave anything out on the field. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I can't think of another sports analogy. Um, so, yeah, no. It was just – it was a very – the other thing is every episode has been meatier and meatier. There's been a lot more meat on the bones. And last night was so far the meatiest bone ever so far, at least this season. So there was a lot to pick over. Um, and I feel like you and I did a good job and 
it's as always fun to chat with you about this. Yes, most definitely. Thank you, Ken. This is a highlight of my week, buddy. We got four more weeks to go. They're doing a great job this season. Thanks everyone for downloading and listening. Stay safe out there. Quarantine, social distance. We'll get through this together. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, the best way to do it is uh, to do this. Talk with other people. Call. Do some Zoom talks or Skype or whatever you do. You know, got out, take a walk. I've been riding on my bicycle, but also Westworld, baby. So we'll see you next week. Peace out.